0: Yeah, so here we go, radio. Let's get lost in a
1: better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to
0: see. A plan to escape reality. Open your mind.
1: Fresh new MJ Network will bring you there. So let's talk
0: about it when life and morning, everyone. This is Fran Lewis. This is MJ Network. And MJ stands for the memory of my sister, Marsha Joyce. And watch out because Alexa Owl is back. And so is the ghost, Bobby. And they're going to solve a case together, but is this going to be the last one? I don't know. We're going back to the 60s, and Cindy McDonald is here for Double Dog Dare. So welcome back to MJ Network. This was really cool, this one. Oh, good. I'm glad you liked it. Yep, I did. So tell us a short summary, and how did you come up with that wild prologue?
1: Um the prologue between um, Charles DeRolf and Seamus Blackwell. Uh, both of them are um, best New York Times best-selling authors, and um, they've been friends since they were kids. And um, they meet at Charles uh, DeRolf's cabin, which he's had since he, you know, his, his pet. He used to go up there with his dad. And they uh meet there every month and they fish and they smoke cigars and they drink fine scotch and they swap story ideas and um it's at Tuning Lake. Have you ever heard of Climate Tuning Lake?
0: No, no, where is
1: that? It's it's here in Pennsylvania. And um it's it it, it it's far more uh, it's not as rural as it used to be, but back in the '60s, it was a, a pretty rural place. And um, I, I just thought it would be interesting to put these two guys together, and they're in their like I'm going to say they're in their '50s. They're you know late middle age, if you will, and they come together, like I said, every month to 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 visit and do all that. And nowadays they are always talking about a local reviewer for the Pittsburgh Daily Times now of course there's no such mm. newspaper and never has been a Pittsburgh Daily Times and her name is Maevonne Fellows and um she just loves to hand out bad reviews she's just 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 this nasty woman and um so of course this is the moment that Charles DeRolf is so upset with the latest review, and I'm sure you read what she said about his book. And um, he employs this double dog dare on his old friend, Seamus Blackwell, to kill Mavon's fellows. And so that, of course, is the basis of the whole book. And this whole prologue that we're talking about, takes place in nineteen sixty two where they make the double dog dare
0: so that's how I, came All I up know was that. Is, is that it got me scared because as a reviewer, I don't want to be in Mavon's position, so I'm really careful right right
1: yeah it it is kind of
0: but i I thought
1: about it and i thought what if what if there was somebody who was unhappy with a reviewer and has been unhappy with a reviewer? Uh-huh. you know, and has de- decided to do this awful thing, and I thought, well, that, that makes an interesting storyline, so that, that's where I went
0: with it, and I have nothing I, against I the
1: viewers out there. Please
0: don't think that.
1: <laughs> well, there
0: there was one person that sent me a nasty message about two, three years ago. I wrote a review. I won't tell you who the author's book was. The book was excellent. I gave it five stars, put it on Amazon. And this miserable person, the publicist, said, I don't like what you wrote. You have to take it off, or we're going to call Amazon and get you thrown off. I go, go ahead, try it. See what it gets you. I said, I'm entitled to my opinion. This is a five-star review. I said, you know what? The author doesn't deserve the five-stars. I just take it off. I said, but I'll leave it on my site and say it's not worth five stars. I'd shut her up. Yeah. (laughs) So we have Alexa and Winnie and the bridal business. How did you create that? And how did you create my favorite character, Holden? I love him.
1: If he's your favorite character, you know what? I just love Holden. And and you know what? The sad part about Holden is that I have a really hard time fitting him into the stories, and I try. And in this particular book, he is more active than he's ever been active before, and I just have trouble. In the last book, um, he had a little storyline there where um, he was having trouble with his partner's mother, if you remember, in Maxed Out. She didn't like him. And, but in the end, she ended up just sticking up for him and just, you know, saying how much she adored him. And, um, yeah, I love him. He's just a great character. And um, he always comes to the rescue at some point, too, you know, with the brides, the brides who are hard to deal with and so on and so forth. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I really like him. He is Alexa's assistant tailor. And... He kind of um does a few things around the shop. You know, if if Winnie, um, who is a lot of people's favorite character, Winnie. Um, she's she's the little old Irish woman who always has a pocket full of wisdom that she shares. And um he he will take your deposit on your dress or your, you know, stuff if if Winnie's in the back doing something or on the phone, you know, and he answers the phone, and, and like I said, he comes to Alexa's uh, rescue quite a bit in the shop, if you've noticed. Yeah, I
0: love him. I, I really like him. Now, the nemesis, the pain in the neck, Bobby Starr, he's cool, but he comes back again. And now because he has to solve three murders or whatever, he needs Alexa. And how come this relates back to the prologue and the two authors? And, I, I you know, something, it would be really funny to to create um, a bet with, with whose reviews are the best. And I think I'm pretty close to winning, but you never know.
1: People <laughs> are just so weird.
0: No, I, I got a, an email yesterday from a publicist. I posted it for the first time. On Facebook, I did, read a book about autism. was really good, and the uh, publisher said it was absolutely the best. And he, what he wrote, the author appreciates me and sends me some love from Wales. So that made me feel good. Like, okay, I know what I'm doing. I think maybe. So. So you have wonderful how you, reviews. They're very
1: in depth, and I, I, I love your reviews. They're wonderful. Yeah.
0: I try so hard because it take you know once in a while I'll sit there and I'll say, what in heaven are they talking about? And then I remember what my professor in college taught me, and I go, yeah, okay, you got this, no problem. And for those of you that don't know, Dr. Cavuto is coming on October third. We're going to talk about um, language to print and how we teach children to understand language development. That's that's our next one. He keeps me he keeps me keeps me on my toes. So, what was the bet, and why did they bet? Um,
1: okay, as I said. They um they really hate this Mavon fellows lady. Are you there, Fran? Yeah, I'm here. Fran.
0: Okay, I, I stopped here. there for a moment. I
1: lost you. I wouldn't know what to do if no, I didn't. No, I'm here. Okay, um, I could see your phone <laughs> number up there. <laughs> okay. Um. Anyway, they um uh they they have this Mavon fellows woman that they just despise, but Charles D. Rolfe despises her far more than Seamus does. If you notice in the conversation, Seamus is the uh, head of reason, if you will. But anyway, Mm -hmm. this double dog dare that he forces Seamus into is um, each of them, he, he considers them both masters of murder because they've been writing murder mysteries for so many years. So his double dog, Dare, is that one of the two of them need to kill Navon Fellows because he thinks that they're both so clever that they could get away with it. And whoever kills her first gets a 1000 bucks. And while that isn't a lot of money, back in the 60s, though, a $1,000 would have been a pretty penny. Um, they would have been rid of this 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 reviewer for good and they wouldn't have to deal with her nasty reviews anymore. Now of course, as you remember, Seamus isn't isn't in love with this uh this double dog dare and mm-hmm. when the prologue ends, we're not absolutely sure that Seamus is gonna participate.
0: If you you know I don't know it seems that way to me. Yeah. So how does she choose her targets? I mean, I know I got I work with Partners in Crime. And Partners in Crime did my couple of my review, couple of my chores And there's one reviewer that aims her aim at me every single time. Every single time I write, she writes something nasty. Um last time for Population 0, she was right down the middle somewhere. But always at the end she said, I really didn't understand what she's saying. And I said to, to Gina, she doesn't understand it. How could she be a librarian and why do you keep picking her to review books? She's nasty. I just I just ignore it. I said, thank you very much for your – I do not even answer her and say thank you for your horrible review. I don't care. So how does she choose her well, targets?
1: Well, you know, as we read along, we find that bon is just a bitter woman, and now yeah. while Charles G. and Seamus claim that it, it, remember, it's the 1960s, and in the 1960s, women um, didn't have a lot of big-time roles in the news department, and she was the first female reviewer for the Pittsburgh Daily Times. Again, that that publication does not exist. And um, so they feel as though she has something to prove, you know, that she's going to rock the literary world with these dogmatic reviews. And when, in fact, she's just, she's just a nasty person. She's just this, she's very bitter. And as the book goes along, we find out why uh, Mavon is bitter. It comes clear toward the end of the book why she is so bitter. But she um, she just she gives bad reviews to everybody. Um, if you remember, Bobby goes to the Pittsburgh Daily Times to talk with her, mm-hmm. and when he goes there, the receptionist doesn't want him to go upstairs. She kind of tries to block everybody from going upstairs to see her because so many authors show up at the Pittsburgh Daily Times to confront her over the reviews and try and get her to change the reviews and they get thrown out on the street by security so um you know a lot of uh, a lot of the reviewer uh rather authors really hate mavon fellows so
0: she's lucky um, nobody came in to shoot her in the head she's lucky she stayed alive needs a bodyguard my god yeah yeah
1: so, yeah, so that's – she doesn't really pick anybody. She's just pretty much across the board. I hate your book before I even read it. So, <laughs> you know, she's
0: kind of you know like that. what gets me is that after I post somebody's review, not before, I look at some of the other reviews, and I could tell that the reviewer never read the book, that they just cut re- reworded the back cover or the summary. So, uh uh-huh. I can yeah. tell right away. Now – Tell us about this. This character was really clever. Let me tell you, you put him in the past and you put him in the present. Cliff's grandfather, who was he, and how did you decide to use him in both timelines? That was hilarious. I like this guy, and he. I don't think he wanted to go back. I think he wanted to stay there.
1: <laughs> um, oh yeah, he did. Um, Detective Clifton Slater is his name, and he's also one of my favorite um, characters. Now, uh, this detective is a detective from the 50s, 60s, and he even goes into the 70s uh, throughout his career just because of how ages go. And um, he was in book one, if you remember. Detective Clifton Slater was in book one. We saw a bit of him in book two, and book two maxed out. I had trouble fitting him in, but I did get him in there. But book three, we see Detective Clifton Slater big time. He is um, Alexa's um, love interest. grandfather is who he is. And he um, he... He is a detective in, the, in the, that time slot, and um, he is a thorn in Bobby Starr's side. He and Bobby Starr do not get along at all. But during the course of this investigation, while Alexa is in 1963, she goes downstairs of the Lazy Hounds Pub, which we know the Lazy Hounds Pub is the original um, bar that was in the building where her couturier shop originally was, and now it's 1962, so it's now the Lazy Hound Pub. And she goes downstairs and she sees him sitting on the, at the bar, and she goes to talk to him. And right next to him, a bar fight breaks out. And as Alexa is being dragged back to the future, back to the future. He touches her, and what happens? He ends up going through the portal with her. So here he is. He's in 2022. This man from 1962 is now in 2022, and he has to deal with everything that we have that 1962 Detective Clifton Slater does not have and that includes computers internet um gps and of course a roomba did you like the
0: roomba scene mm-hmm yeah Every, everything everything was where, like everything was yeah, really he, amazing he, and you know something i if i was a guy I would i wouldn't want to go back i want to stay here yeah
1: well and but you know what One thing that I did show you throughout his entire stay in 2022 was the fact that he loved his wife, Janie. He loved her very much, and he was missing Janie. So, you know, he he did, but once he realized and found out that he had a grandson, Cliff Slater, who, who was his namesake and had become... A homicide detective just like him, he wanted to stay because Cliff was in trouble, and he wanted to see it through. And quite frankly, he wanted to meet his grandson, wouldn't you?
0: I, I would, but I don't have any grandchildren. I have nieces and nephews that drive me crazy, which is perfectly okay, because <laughs> they think I'm pretty cool. So when there's we know like a grand grandchild calls the grandmother when there's a problem because you got to solve it because mommy and daddy mm-hmm. don't understand me they call the answer <laughs> they it. call or, our <laughs> they, or they or they have um, a serious fashion problem well I just got my hair done on Saturday so this, the highlights are mostly magenta red purple green and blue and yellow oh wow for real I'm different yeah. But before I, I, after I did it, I had to text everybody to get their opinion. So my nieces <laughs> approved, but the, my nephew thought I was really cool. So that really all that mattered. Because if my if Josh is twenty five, thinks his aunt looks great, that really is good. He says, "No, you don't look yes. old. This is good. You could do an improvement." Annie. <laughs> so we've got Walter. How did you create him, and why? And what are they investigating in the past? Okay, um, they are investigating
1: the death. Of Phyllis De Rolf. That is the actual investigation that Bobby has been uh, assigned because every time he has to cons- he has to solve a, m- a murder case, right? And that's in order to get into Saint Pete's Guardian Angel Squad. So he's got three that he has to um, solve, and this is number three, and it is the 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 supposed maybe they're not so sure murder of phyllis de which is of course charles de wife and she died at lake pine she she was she drowned in the lake and the police think that charles had something to do with it but the police mm-hmm. cannot place charles de on the dock that that woman fell off of at the time that she fell because other fishermen saw him on the lake fishing. So anyway, Walter. Walter is a basset hound. And throughout the entire book, I, I don't think Walter's ever conscious, is he? I don't remember ever having, he never barks. I don't think he even opens his eyes once through the whole book, does he? He's always asleep. He's always snoring. And um, both Alexa and Bobby are trying throughout the entire book to figure out, as with all the other ghost animals, each book, each owl's nest has a ghost animal. Uh, In the first book, it was Coralie's cat. And uh, in the second book, it was a poodle named Trixie. I love and cookie. now this time, it's a hound named Walter. And each of them are symbolic to the murder that they are investigating. And But through the whole thing, they can't figure out why Walter's there or who Walter belonged to and what is the significance of this Walter dog. And he's never conscious. Through the whole book, he's never conscious. And we don't really find out what Walter's purpose is until the very, very end of the book. If you remember, it would, at the very end of the book, it becomes mm-hmm. very clear why Walter was there. So I, I can't reveal why he was there. You
0: have to read the book. <laughs> no, you're not allowed to, people. You're going to have to read this one. And, you have to read and when I'm it. done with the interview, it goes in the pile I have a bag for my doctor. My dermatologist calls me every week to say, when are you bringing me more books for my wife? So yours goes in with with the other. In the last couple of weeks, I read about 30 or 40. So Dr. Marmelstein, get ready. Either this week or next week, you're getting more books. I can't get an appointment unless I have books. That's the deal. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. So. And I don't really need an appointment, but, you know, I look for it, so you think I'm cool. So, this time, Alexa returns, but she doesn't go back to the past. How come she stays in the present? Because, Bobby, you're on your own this time. Right. Now, you have to remember,
1: this is the third and final assignment for De- Detective Bobby we Star. And um, the last two... Uh, Alexa was very instrumental in helping him to solve the crime. Mm. And this time when she is sucked back to the future. And in all all of the books, she's sucked back to the future one time during the investigation. And she feels as though it's because St. Peter is giving her an opportunity to check out these murders via her Internet connections. You know, to, to get a, a feel for what went on because she wasn't there. So anyway, she and, of course, Cliff, uh, Detective Slater are sucked back to 2022 because there's an emergency. And not only because of that, but Bobby believes that St. Pete is saying, this is your third one. This is your last chance. She got you started in the investigation. Now you've got to finish it on your own. And But she's sucked back because her boyfriend, Cliff, is caught up in a hostage situation. Uh, He walks into a jewelry store to pick up a uh, mother's ring that he and his brother and sister have purchased for their mother for her birthday. And when he walks into the jewelry store, there's a robbery in progress. And the robber has decided, I want to take a hostage. And I'm going to take that woman and her little girl. There's a woman in there by the name of Lindsay. I think her last name was Winsler. Uh, Lindsay Winsler and her little daughter, Charlotte. And Charlotte's only coming up on four. And he is going to take them hostage. But Cliff convinces him, no, leave the woman and the child be I'll be your hostage. And indeed that's what's happened. So Alexa is sucked back to twenty twenty two to help find Cliff. So that's why she's she's back to the future and she's not she's not going back to nineteen sixty two to help Bobby
0: at all. Well, I don't blame her and I wonder to be you know, with what's going on in the news today. I wonder how many police officers would actually do that. I, I don't know. I don't have my faith in anybody wanting to do that. I, to be very honest, I doubt it. Maybe somebody rare and then seriously. So, how do you? How did you link? I, I love Nathan. How did you link Nathan and Fiona in this one? And how does Nathan come to the rescue in a sense?
1: Well, you know what. um – I'm somebody who likes to cross characters over. I did it in the first four series. Um, if you remember Celia Ramsey, who has made two appearances in the um, Fiona Quinn books, she mm-hmm. came from my first four series. And uh, so while the Owl's Nest and the Fiona Quinn mysteries aren't exactly connected, um, I just connected them by bringing Nathan Landry into this investigation. Now, of course, Nathan Landry is also a homicide detective and um, she he is brought in to look for Clifton Slater. Well, in the interim, Fiona in book, I think it was book one, Back to the Berg, Fiona made an appearance in the Owl's Nest because she took her wedding gown to mm-hmm. Alexa to have it altered, right? So she has met yeah, Alexa. I remember. And so when she finds out that Alexa's boyfriend has been taken hostage, because of course Nathan tells her this, um, she shows up at the couturier shop to. She brings a, a I think it's a tuna fish casserole, if I'm remembering correctly, to her and and to offer any support that she can bring to. Alexa, and um, she tells Alexa that the little girl who was supposed to be a hostage was not her um, kindergarten student, but her sister was, and she knows the mother, and uh, so they go to visit Charlotte, the little girl, and the mother to see if they can Maybe glean a little bit of information about mm. Cliff's Chapter. If and for on Fiona's part, it's more to give Alexa comfort than to actually get the ball rolling on a on a big time investigation because her husband Nathan is already investigating this. So they go oh, uh, yeah.
0: to visit Charlotte. I'm sorry, go Well, Charlotte's a pretty sharp kid. She's not stupid. Yeah. She's pretty smart. So in her yeah. own way, she sort of helps out, this kid. Mm-hmm. So Bobby yes, goes does. back to the past, and he said somebody sent scotch and notes. And this is really cool because I think everybody forgets about how to do a telegram. So yes. who else does he question, and how does he get them to send a telegram? Because there's no... There's no phone things there. I guess they you well, can't send an internet. There's nothing to send out. And that's sad. So they use tele telegrams.
1: Yeah, back in the sixties, um, were um telegrams and telegraphs were almost dead. Um I did of course I had to research this because um you know, I, I had to know what I was talking about. And um the, 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 the name of the company that I used was Pittsburgh Telegraph Services, which, of course, is non-existent and never was. Um, anyway, so a telegram, people used to use that, um, I don't know, uh, almost like a, a text message, I guess you would say. Um, and they were almost extinct by 1962. However, this is how they tried to kill Mae Bon Fellows um, through a telegram. Uh, Seamus invited her to his home actually to try and talk her down, to try and say, you know, could you just let up on those reviews? But while she's there, this telegram arrives, along with a fine bottle of scotch, which was called King's Ransom. King's Ransom scotch, which is a very, very scotch. And the scotch um, has a telegram with it for Seamus, wishing him luck. Mm. And he opens it up, and when he opens it up, he pours them each a glass of the, the scotch, but I do not reveal to you whether or not he talked her down. I just tell you, you know, they were having a conversation. And he drinks his scotch first, and the scotch is poisoned. Mm-hmm. So now we've got another dead body. Seamus Blackwell has been murdered, but Mae Von Fellows has been spared because he drank his scotch first and he went down. So you know, they have to figure out that, of course, every, and, the, and the telegram is signed Charles DeRoll. But Charles mm-hmm. DeRoll says, no, no, I didn't send the king's ransom and I didn't send the the telegram I would never have sent him King's Ransom I would have sent him Johnny Walker cuz that's what we always drank and I would never do that and they and so they have to go back and look and see who sent the telegram and who bought the scotch and so they they so Bobby's kind of at a um at a brick wall there because he can't figure out who would have sent the scotch and who would have sent that telegram. So he has to go back to the Pittsburgh Telegraph Service, which is in the same building as the Pittsburgh, so it's across the street, excuse me, across the street from the Pittsburgh Daily Times building to find out who sent the telegram
0: <laughs> and who purchased that scotch. That's, it's hard because sometimes people just buy things and they don't observe. And people, right. Well, maybe people back then, but people back now, people observe nothing. You know, you walk down the street right. and they take pictures with their phones. And a lot of times, I mean, this is, this is my latest thing. but I want to, you know, post a, um, a thing on my computer, on my, my site for the, for a show, I actually have to uh, take a picture of the summary if I don't have the book. Or whatever like that. Well just I want to have it in front of me so I don't screw it up. Then I'll post the summary as a picture so that everybody could read it. It gets complicated. So yeah. who is Glennis, and why do they want to find her? Okay, Glennis
1: Langley
0: is um, was
1: Charles DeRolfe's stepdaughter. And um, so she and she was an illegitimate child of Phyllis DeRolfe, um, uh, with a previous relationship before she um, married Charles Gerald. and um, Charles basically raised Glennis with his with his wife Phyllis, of course, um, until she was um, almost an adult, 17 years old. And as a young child, he and Glennis got along very well. But as she got older, things got well. You know how things can get with between people over years. And um, so, anyway, Glennis Langley um, ran away with a young black man um, to get married. Now, back in the 1960s, this was frowned upon. Um, you know, you know for a fact that a white woman marrying a black man was not accepted by their parents and not by society, pretty much. And it was vice versa. The black community did not like their young men or women marrying from the white community. It was just, you know, the 60s were a very volatile Mm. time. And so this wasn't an accepted thing. So when Glenna did this, it broke her mother's heart, and Charles was just in a rage over it. Glennis was never heard from again. She ran away with this young man, and she was never heard from again. And Alexa was beginning to think that not only did Charles kill his wife, which nobody could prove, she was beginning to believe he may have killed Glennis. So they were looking for Glennis because they wanted information on Charles relationship with Phyllis but they can't find her anywhere it's like she disappeared out of thin air they can't find her um, and is starting to believe they can't find her because she's dead and the young man that she married the young black man that she married was killed in Vietnam so they can't really get any information from him they do talk to his mother but you know, she just tells them straight up, you know, I haven't seen or heard from Glennis in years. My son was killed in Vietnam. I have no idea where she's at. So they're starting to think that Glennis Langley is a second victim of Charles DeRoll. And it seems that no one is looking for her. None of her family members are looking. No one is looking for Glenys. And, and they find that very amazing, too, that no one is looking for Glenys Langley. And, it, and they think it's because of what she did, married a black man and ran off. They, they're thinking that's
0: why the family isn't looking for her. I don't think that these people would be able to deal with all the stuff that's going on now in the world. Absolutely not.
1: Absolutely I know. not. Well,
0: I hear in this in the area where I live in Westchester, the a lot of Black Lives Matters. They even changed the name of a street in White Plains. They even had um, a mural drawn in the middle of the street for Black Lives Matters. And uh-huh. somebody said that to me the other day, and I said, "You're right, Black Lives Matters, but every life matters too." They just gave me a look like yes. you wouldn't believe. Because you know what, uh-huh. I was brought up in the South Bronx, and they probably—and I didn't move till so, you know long ago—and they would never have been able to live where I lived because you, mm-hmm. you just never knew who you were going to meet, and it, it didn't bother me. So, uh-huh. how does Cliff, in the past, learn about technology in the present? He's pretty smart. Oh,
1: he's pretty smart. But some of that technology takes him by, by surprise, doesn't he? Doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, you know, like the very first day he's there, once he settles down, because when he first arrives in the 20, uh, the 21st century, he's pretty shook up.
0: But mm. once
1: Alexa settles him down, and he, the very first piece of technology that he comes upon is, of course, the Roomba, and when he, 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 Alexa sends him into her bedroom to change into clothing that Cliff always leaves there, you know, because they do have a relationship, he does spend the night there, which she, of course, covered that over for the detective, because, you know, that was an unacceptable thing in the 60s, too, so she had to kind of, you know, cover that over. So he changes clothes into his grandson's clothes, and he comes out of the bedroom. And when he's walking down the hallway back to towards the living room, what is following him down the down the hallway? The Roomba. And his reaction to that Roomba is pretty, pretty bad, don't you think? Mm-hmm. He he shoots it. So anyway, that that's his first, you know introduction, if you will, to technology. But as time goes on, he sees Alexa using the computer, and he questions her about it, and she just explains it to him, and he is very smart. He um, observes the GPS system in the car, and (laughs) the main thing he wants to know is, (coughs) excuse me, whose voice is that telling telling us which direction to go? Who, how did they get the little voice in there? And then, you know, of course, if, if when Winnie calls, how does Winnie's voice come through the radio on on in the car? So and he figures out her um, stove, and he cooks her breakfast one morning. So and he tells her all about how Janie that he made Janie breakfast every Sunday morning, and so. He felt the need to make breakfast on Sunday morning, or was it Saturday morning? I can't remember. But it was either Saturday or Sunday morning. And this is where Alexa witnesses (laughs) the softer side of Detective Slater. Because he always comes off as a um, kind of a a badass is what he comes off as. Mm -hmm. But this is the moment that she sees the softer side of Detective
0: Slater. And I I really liked that scene between them. Well before I forget, tomorrow murder is not a girl's best friend and in contention you'd want one a twenty million dollar diamond. And that's all I'll say about that. On the second of August is when MJ Network is doing the last one tomorrow. On the second of August, Finding the Light in the Lost Year. On the fourth, No No Note Without Sin. And there's a whole bunch more. But what better way to end August on the 25th and with the one and only Iris Johansson in a face to die for and captive. Yes, people, she wants two books in the same interview. And that's all I'll say about that. Now, she she is absolutely wonderful. Yesterday, for those of you that didn't hear my show, listen to me, Tess Gerrinson. The book comes out next week. I got the first interview yesterday. It was really cool. So... Who is Beth Hastings and what is her role? Okay,
1: so Beth Hastings, uh, they find her through uh, Phyllis DeRoule's obituary. Now, um, they this does not involve Alexa. This is Bobby's own detective work. He goes to the library, and the librarian there helps him to look up Phyllis DeRoule. Um, Obituary. And so there is a list of her siblings, uh, which Phyllis was the eldest child, and <laughs> Beth was the youngest of the four or five siblings, and she just happens to be the same age as Phyllis's daughter, Glenn. So um, uh, Bobby looks her up, and Hastings is her married name. And she just had a baby, and she um, he, he questions her about Glennis, and she tells him that you know uh, you know uh, she's very very secretive about what she knows about Glennis, which of course perks Bobby's curiosity. Why doesn't she want to share information about Glennis, especially the whereabouts of Glennis. She won't tell you that she's dead. She won't tell you if she knows where she's at. So um that's who Beth Hastings is. She she is Glennis's actually she's Glennis's aunt. She's the same age, mm. but she's Glennis' aunt. Right. Yeah. No she's, she's the, the, only the only one who
0: had a relationship with. Pardon me? Now we have Charlotte, and when Alexa goes to visit Charlotte, what does she draw? Okay, this is interesting, because Charlotte, of course, is the little
1: girl who was almost the robber's hostage, along with her mother, Lindsay, and Fiona sits and talks with Charlotte, and Alexa steps aside, because she figures, hey, Fiona's the kindergarten teacher here. She knows how to communicate with children,
0: which, of course, Mm -hmm. she does.
1: So... When Lindsay tells Alexa and Fiona that there was nothing special about the robber. He was a very average looking young man, you know, dark hair, average height. He wore a hoodie like everybody who robs a, anything, a bank, a, a jewelry store, an ATM. They all wear hoodies, let's face it. So she said there was, he was just very, very average. there was nothing special about him. And so while she's talking to them about this, Charlotte comes into the room and tells her mom, no, there was something special about him. He had this glittery thing hanging out of his pocket. And, you know, Lindsay says, my daughter is very observant. And she says, so they tried to get Charlotte to explain to them what the glittery thing was that was hanging out of his pocket. Well she's having a very you know, she's only four, so she's having a difficult time. So Fiona gets the idea. Get me get her a piece of paper, get her some crayon and let her draw it for us. Well I thought, okay, I how would I what would what would she draw? And I mean I knew what the glittery thing was. But I'm not going to tell the audience what the glittery thing turned out to be. But I thought, I wonder how someone who is four, five, six years old would draw this. So my grandson, Jameson, just happened to be here that day. So I gave him a piece of paper and the correct colors, which was the the color purple. And I said, Jameson, I need you to draw this for me. What, 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 how would you draw that? Well... He drew six circles, colored them purple, and then he attached attached them with a line, and it was almost like in a diamond shape. Mm. So that's how I describe it, and then she asked her mom for some silver glitter. She sprayed some, you know, glue on it, and then they tossed the silver glitter over it. Well, what I just described to you doesn't tell you anything does it no it doesn't say what it is you know it doesn't tell you what it is and it doesn't even really look like anything that you would um you know recognize so fiona and alexa take the picture with them and give it to nathan and he says that he's going to have their child psychologist take a look at it and possibly talk with charlotte well before they give the uh, picture to Nathan, or Deanna takes it away, of course, Alexa takes a picture of the picture with her cell phone, and she shows it to Holden and Winnie at the house, and Holden says, hey, you know what that looks like to me? That looks like Mardi Gras beads. So, so that's sure what they call it. very helpful into.
0: with that. So then we have a scene that was priceless. We have Louis, the bar. What happens when he sees Winnie? What happens when he sees Winnie? Right. Well, um, Louis
1: um, Santolini owns a bar called Louis Little Mardi Gras. And it is a bar that is uh, Mardi Gras themed all year round. When you go in there, the mask are on the wall. There are buckets and buckets and buckets of Mardi Gras beads everywhere. And um, this is what Holden says. Hey, those look like Mardi Gras beads. I'll bet you he got them at Louie's Little Mardi Gras. So, of course, Mm. they go. um, Cliff Slater, Winnie, and Alexa go to Louie's Little Mardi Gras on Liberty Avenue (laughs) to visit and see what they can find out. Well, here's the deal. Winnie knows Louis because she went to school with Louie, and she used to date Louie back in the day. Now, we know Winnie's never been married, and when Louie sees Winnie, he is just, like, besought, like, oh, it's, it's, it's Winona, it's Winona Mulaney, Oh, you broke my heart. Do you know you broke my heart? And and she said, you know, I I was never one to get married, but, you know, I'm always willing to have some fun. And uh, so to provide a uh, disruption, of course, she has some fun, doesn't she? Her and the mm-hmm. deterrent, while Alexa and Slater decide to go and see if there's a basement in the bar and go search it because maybe that's where Cliff is being held in the basement of that bar yeah. She and Lily do a um, karaoke act up on the stage so that's, uh, that's what what they do as a deterrent while Alexa
0: and Slater search the basement for Cliff well, we're not going to tell them if they find clips because that would be ruin the fun. So, how did you create the obituaries in the in the paper? And Bobby uh, disappears again. Is he? Are we done with him? Okay.
1: Well, as you know, I lost my mom a little more than a year ago to Alzheimer's. And, I know how that uh, feels. You have a, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's horrible. Uh, with a ten-year struggle. But I was faced mm-hmm. with the, um, the uh, task, because I'm the only writer in the family, to write her obituary. And um, I did not know this at the time. I mean, there's no reason for me to know. I mean, my dad died 15 years ago, but evidently my mother wrote the obituary, and I didn't know anything about it. Um, I thought that the funeral homes came up with the obituaries, but in fact, they do yeah, not. they don't. Family
0: members they write don't.
1: them. Yeah, I, I, I was unaware of that. So um, I spent time on funeral home sites reading obituaries to learn the proper way to do it. You know, how, not that there's actually a proper way, but well, how most people put together obituaries. Mm. And then I started searching old obituaries to get the wording for that time period. And, and yeah, mm. there's a difference between how they're written now and how they were written then. So, um, yes, Bobby disappears at the end of the book. You know, he visits with, uh, with Alyssa. And that, you know, when I started writing The Owl's Nest, I only committed to three books. But I can tell you that there is a fourth book slated for next spring,
0: and that book is called A Thelonious finale. That is good, because I would be disappointed. I had to write the obituary. I didn't write one for my mother. I couldn't. After 10 years of Alzheimer's, I, I just said, I'm not going to write anything. I did something else. And as far as my mother-in-law, Mom Lewis, my sister-in-law, she said, I don't know what to write. So she said, well, this has to go in. I said, don't worry about it. I know what to write. I also know what you don't write. I also mm-hmm. know that you could write the person's age, but you never write the year they're born, and you never write oh. where they live, because that's how people steal social security numbers, and how they steal uh, birth dates and stuff like that. Because anybody can mm-hmm. go on social security and create a social security card for themselves using somebody else's number. Been hacked. Mm-hmm. I know how it feels. So, yeah. at the end well alexa feels guilty and bobby returns at the end and what what about becoming part of the guardian angel squad does bobby ever get there or can't we tell that well during during the story we find
1: that there's a rift between alexa and bobby because he yeah. finds out that cliff slater is her boyfriend, and at no time in any of the books did she ever reveal that to Bobby because she knew that he and Detective Cliff Slater didn't get along, so she didn't want him to know that her boyfriend yeah. was his grandson. So he finds this out during the course of the book, and he is he's hurt. He's hurt that she didn't trust him enough to tell him. So she hasn't seen Bobby for quite some time. It's like It's like two months after... After uh, everything happens, then, and she's mm. sitting at the park, and she's feeling guilty over something that happens at the end of the book, which we won't reveal, but something yeah. happens, and she's feeling very guilty about it, and he comes to her to soothe her mind that she wasn't responsible, and that, he, that she shouldn't feel badly, and that he, it, he, he, he's not mad at that, her, that everything's okay between them. And uh, well, I guess you'll have to you'll have to read the book to find out if he actually made it into the Guardian Angel
0: Squad. But that said, there is a fourth book coming. Well, what is next? That's coming out in spring. Do you have another Fiona Quinn coming out soon? I sure do. Um, November tenth, we will see the newest
1: Fiona Quinn. This is book eleven, Fran, and it is called Deep Blue Murder. So uh um, Oh nice. I take yes, it's called Deep Blue Murder and they are on a private island for a US ambassador and bad things happen on that island. So but of course, you know, when Fiona's around, there's always there's always some mishaps that get her into trouble and this this book will be no different. So uh that book is coming
0: in no, November 10th. Okay, so here we go. I'm looking at this. Um, I don't even know anymore. My my schedule is so screwed up, I have no idea. Oh, she took November instead of December. That was nice of her. Um, I could do November, I could do December or January. Which one works? Because do I'm getting January. slammed. January? i uh, love January. Yeah. Okay, can we that January 9th? That, that sounds sound perfect. Right?
1: Yeah, okay, let me January 9th when. And
0: Okay, I got it in my in my phone, because otherwise I won't have it. So you get the first one for 2023. David Putnam gets one for, Je- for February. And what can I say? So where can everybody get all of Fiona and Alexa, in case they haven't already done it? And this one's going in a um, help for Dr. Marmelstein. Pardon me? Oh, yeah. Fiona and Alexa,
1: and all of their books are available on Amazon, of course, iTunes. And um, you can read about, you can get samples of the audio books. They're all on audio on my website, www.csmcdonaldbooks.com.
0: Hey, join my newsletter, too, and you won't miss a thing. Well, one of these days I'm going to have to get in touch with either you or Marsha or somebody to figure out how to do audio. I just don't have the patience right now. And those of you that don't know it, I do have an idea for the next Faces Behind the Stone. I've been listening to the world, and I've been reading my Faces Behind the Stones book that was written in 2000 and something, a long time ago. It's told from the point of view of 10 dead people behind the gravestone. No, I'm serious. Uh Four of the stories are real. They're told by somebody that has something done wrong to them, or they did something wrong. There are two stories that are very true and I've decided to rewrite them, and the title of the book is Justice. There was a teacher in my school that I worked with for a very long time, a black teacher that was wrongly accused by the principal, and as a result, she took her own life. Oh, my. It was was horrible. I was on the phone with her just about every day. I followed what happened, and because I have a supervisory license, I was given the responsibility of dealing with the after-school program as the principal. And I know very well that everything this other principal said was a lie. She tried to get me a couple of times, too. It didn't work. So for Viola and for those people that have been wrongly accused, Justice is the next title of my book if I ever get time to sit down and write it. But, Cindy, I want to thank you so much. And this is great. And just make sure as soon as the Fiona comes out that I get it. What I do is, oh, I even if even if something is, like I read, um, I'm going to read the one for February for David Putnam, Scorned, because I like to get done with the interviews first, so I know I did it, and, like, forget okay. it. So I've got ten I books inside that are staring at me, and I started one, I read two yesterday and another half, I'll finish the other one and half today. But don't read two a day, I get very upset. But anyway, thank you so much. It's beautiful outside here. Everybody have a nice day, and stay safe, and bye. bye okay.